Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here today with Dr. James Rosenbaum to talk about psoriatic arthritis and its relationship to uveitis. Dr. Rosenbaum is the Chief of Arthritis and Rheumatic Diseases at Oregon Health and Science University, where he holds the Edward E. Rosenbaum Professorship in Inflammation Research. Dr. Rosenbaum is also the Chief of Ophthalmology at Legacy Devers Eye Institute, where he holds the Richard Chenoweth Chair. Dr. Rosenbaum has the unique distinction of being the only practicing rheumatologist and non-ophthalmologist in the world to serve as chief of ophthalmology, and he's known as the foremost expert in the treatment and research of ocular inflammatory diseases such as uveitis, orbital inflammation, and steroid-sensitive optic neuropathy. Welcome, Dr. Rosenbaum. Thanks for joining us today. And to help provide background information for our audience who may not be familiar with psoriatic arthritis, could you please explain what the disease is and what drives development of psoriatic arthritis? Sure. So um, psoriasis, of course, is a common skin condition. It affects 1% to 2% of the population. And psoriatic arthritis refers to the joint complication that occurs in individuals who have psoriasis or who have a family member with psoriasis. In terms of why people get that joint disease, it's a mystery, just as why do people get the skin disease? But we know that there are genetic factors. We think that there are environmental factors, and there are probably random factors. Physicians and scientists call the random factors stochastic factors, a big fancy word. That is a big fancy word. <laughs> we like big fancy words. Well, you mentioned this is an inflammatory disease that affects the joints. What joints are typically affected by psoriatic arthritis? You know, there are five patterns that are described. Um, it can affect the spine. We call that axial disease. It can affect peripheral joints. That would be like a knee, an elbow, a wrist. And usually it does that in an asymmetric fashion, meaning that when one joint's involved, the on the right side, the left side wouldn't necessarily be involved. That's in contrast to rheumatoid arthritis that tends to involve the right and the left together. Psoriatic arthritis can also pick on just what are called the distal interphalangeal joints, the ones that are next to the nail bed. And usually we see that in people who have nail pitting. Um, sometimes psoriatic arthritis will destroy a finger quite rapidly. That's called arthritis mutilans. And sometimes psoriatic arthritis mimics rheumatoid arthritis. So it can be in a symmetric fashion. And rheumatoid arthritis especially as a predilection, picks on the small joints of the hands and feet. And psoriatic arthritis can do that too. And sometimes we see combinations like spinal disease and peripheral disease in the same patient. So there's a lot of variations. Uh, lots of variants, exactly. So if psoriatic arthritis typically affects the joints, how can it affect the eye? And what is uveitis? Yeah. So uvea is the uh, Latin word for grape. And um, the 
Roman anatomists thought that the middle portion of the eye was a grape-like structure. Itis is the suffix that we append to indicate an inflammation. So arthritis is an inflammation of joints. And uveitis is an inflammation inside the eye. Why you get uveitis with arthritis together, that's a mystery, just as why you get skin disease and joint disease together. But there are some similarities between the uvea and the joint. For example, collagen is present in both. A substance called hyaluronic acid is present in both. And there actually are a lot of diseases where we see eye inflammation along with joint inflammation. Some of those include juvenile idiopathic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, a disease called sarcoidosis. So psoriatic arthritis and uveitis, that wouldn't be the only time that we see uveitis pairing up with a joint disease. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I learned something new today. Now, every time I hear uveitis, I'm going to think of a grape. Okay. <laughs> so what are the symptoms of uveitis and how would someone know if they have the disease? You know, the eye is only about an inch from front to back, two and a half centimeters, and yet it's extremely varied. So the back of the eye is really modified brain or an extension of the brain, and the front of the eye is modified skin, and the uvea goes front to back. So if you have an anterior uveitis where the front of the eye is involved, chances are the eye is going to be red and sensitive to light, whereas if the back of the uvea is involved, a posterior uveitis, often there's no pain whatsoever, and you might see floaters or visual disturbance or just your vision not quite as clear as, as you'd like it to be. Or you could have a pan-uveitis where the entire uveal tract front to back is involved, and that also will occur in psoriatic disease, at least anterior and what we call intermediate uveitis together. So symptoms vary depending on which portion of the uveal tract is involved. And is one more serious than the other? The anterior uveitis is usually a little easier to treat because eye drops will usually penetrate to the front of the eye, whereas when the uveitis is more posterior or what we call intermediate, it's a little harder to get the medication there via drops and it tends to be a little more persistent. So the intermediate or posterior uveitis is less common, but probably more vision-threatening. So if somebody's having these symptoms, what should they do next? See an eye doctor. Good. <laughs> That's a good advice. And how quickly should they seek that treatment? Is it crucial to be seen right away? Um, some forms of uveitis will present suddenly. So you'll be fine, and the next moment, redness, pain, photosensitivity, photophobia, pain. And in that setting, you probably want to get in to see a specialist within 24 to 48 hours. Um, so yes, that, that I wouldn't say it's always an emergency, but certainly if that was my eye, I'd want someone to check the severity of the disease, check the pressure in my eye, and determine what sorts of drops are appropriate to treat me. Other times, the disease begins quite insidiously. You're not aware and you begin to experience a few more floaters or just notice that the vision's not as crisp and there's a big differential diagnosis for what could be going on. So I, I would say if it's beginning gradually, 
and it's taken you a couple of weeks to months to notice it, it's not an emergency, but I also wouldn't ignore it. We use the mnemonic RSVP with our patients. What does that mean? So R is for redness that's persistent, doesn't go away. S, sensitivity to light. V, vision change. P, pain. And if you experience those things, you need to see an eye care specialist. So you need to make an RSVP for an appointment. Exactly right. (laughs) So you talked a little bit about pressure being taken. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about how uveitis is diagnosed? So an ophthalmologist or an optometrist is trained to use a slit lamp, which is a special microscope that magnifies structures within the eye. When we use the slit lamp and we look into a healthy, normal eye, we don't see any white blood cells. The white blood cells stay in the circulation and they don't migrate out into the eye. But if a patient has uveitis, we clearly see white cells in front of the magnifying lens of the eye. And if there's an intermediate uveitis, we also see those white cells behind the lens in the eye. So the definitive way to make a diagnosis is with a slit lamp examination and the identification of cells in the eye that are not normally present in the absence of an infection. Oh, wow. That's very involved. (laughs) (laughs) So how common is uveitis among people who have psoriatic arthritis? And is there a common age range for when the disease develops? So... In a healthy population, if you take everyone in the United States, about one person in a thousand is affected by uveitis. If you have psoriatic arthritis, I would say that the chance of having an attack of uveitis is more like one in 14, one in 10. So much, much higher. And uh, if someone has psoriatic arthritis, what measures can be taken to reduce the risk of developing uveitis? Boy, I I wish we knew how to prevent the disease. Um, We often treat the disease by giving corticosteroid in a drop topically, but we wouldn't recommend that to try to prevent attacks because there'd be potential toxicity. In general, what's used to treat psoriasis and the joint disease will also help to treat or prevent the eye disease, we think, although it's hard to generate that kind of data because the majority of patients with psoriatic arthritis never develop uveitis. And while the eye and the joint and the skin tend to march to the same drummer, they don't always march to the same drummer. So we have medications, for example, that are phenomenal to control psoriasis in the skin, but don't always work so well in the joints. We have less experience treating the eye disease, but I suspect that that's true as well, that um, the medicines that work in the skin are not necessarily going to be as effective for the eye. Yeah. Oh, so another benefit of treating appropriately for your psoriatic arthritis is probably to prevent the eye disease, but we don't have really good data to support that hypothesis. And what preventable actions can be done at home to help reduce symptoms or pain? Boy, um, it's a good thing we have prescription medications to treat the symptoms and the pain. We know that, that stress is important. 
We know that sleep is important. We know that diet and exercise are important. But there's so much more that we don't know. While we know that the diet's critical, we don't really know what is the best diet. So if you have a way to reduce stress, to be happy, to get sleep, to eat a balanced diet, do those things. But don't ignore conventional medications, which we know work as well. Not to be the devil's advocate, but what if, uh, what's the potential outcome if someone chooses not to treat on both diseases? Well, the worst case scenario is, is blindness. Um, blindness is rare from uveitis, but uveitis, frankly, is one of the leading causes of acquired blindness, along with diseases like cataract, macular degeneration, glaucoma. It is important to seek medical care and have it diagnosed appropriately and treated appropriately. Yeah, those are serious things. Are there any tests that can be conducted to see if someone's more predisposed to developing uveitis? I hope that one day in the future, we'll know more about the genetics and the environmental factors so that we can identify people at maximum risk. Um, But we're not quite there. Ankylosing spondylitis is a form of arthritis that affects the spine and overlaps with psoriatic arthritis. So some patients with psoriatic arthritis have the axial disease that's very similar to ankylosing spondylitis. And in ankylosing spondylitis, we know that there are genes that predispose to both the joint and the eye disease. And then there's a small list of genes that predispose just to the eye disease without affecting the joint disease. But I don't think we have that same sophistication yet for the uveitis associated with psoriasis. It's fascinating what we can find out. I look forward to the future too. We're learning and the the power of the technology and the molecular biology just keeps increasing. So if you have a chance to support medical research, do it. Great, I love that plug. (laughs) So uh, once diagnosed, can uveitis completely go away? Yes, in fact, um, I would say that probably the majority of individuals with psoriatic arthritis and uveitis have disease that typically is short-lived, um, so that it occurs for a brief time, um, can cause a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort, but after, say, a period of two months, would resolve completely, and hopefully if treated and diagnosed appropriately, wouldn't leave scars that would permanently affect vision. Oh, that's good news. I know a lot of our listeners also just have psoriasis without psoriatic arthritis. Should they also be aware of the symptoms of uveitis and keep a lookout? Psoriasis is so common that it's harder to show that psoriasis itself is associated with uveitis. Um, but for example, in Scandinavian countries, they keep detailed registries of illness And there's at least one very good study that shows that people who just have psoriasis are at slightly increased risk for developing uveitis. So, um, and of course, healthy people without psoriasis or without an identifiable genetic risk can also get uveitis. So anyone who has RSVP ought to be looking to see an eye care specialist. Perfect. Great. Well, in closing, what do you feel is in the future for treatments of uveitis and psoriatic arthritis? I have been taking care of patients with uveitis for more than three decades, and I've seen tremendous progress. 
So, for example, we used to have only corticosteroids, prednisone, prednisolone type medications approved to treat uveitis. Now we have one of the TNF inhibitors that's gone through two randomized controlled trials and the Food and Drug Administration has approved it to treat severe uveitis that's behind the lens of the eye. I think that there are going to be continued new medications, more targeted medications, more sophisticated approaches, sometimes some local deposition of medications that we can place in the eye. These are all being studied and in some cases actually approved. Um, We're getting better and better. And believe me, my job treating patients with uveitis is much more gratifying than it used to be thanks to those advances. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for providing this really informative podcast for us and meeting with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your interest in uveitis. It's an important topic that is an obscure topic, and yet it can rob us of vision, and it's good that uh, we share information about it. Thank you. Thank you. May is Psoriatic Arthritis, also known as PSA Action Month. All month, the National Psoriasis Foundation will highlight educational opportunities such as tomorrow's open Q&A webinar with rheumatologist Dr. Jonathan Graff or the May 30th webinar about fatigue and psoriatic arthritis by rheumatologist Barry Shibuya. To register, go to www.psoriasis.org forward slash webcasts. You can also receive a free PSA kit with a flare tracker or make a donation to help support the foundation's efforts to fund discovery of a PSA diagnostic test. Learn more at psoriasis.org forward slash PSA hyphen action hyphen month. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.